Welcome to We Are Meaningful, a podcast where we transform the anonymous experiences of black and brown talent into powerful audio narratives. Each month, we center the dialogue around a common theme, providing you, our listeners, with the tools and resources you need to help navigate, grow, and thrive in corporate spaces. Our stories, experiences, and our voices are meaningful. We are meaningful. Hi, everyone. This is Crystal. And this is Krista. And today we're joined by Andrea G. Tatum. Throughout Andrea's career, she's been focused on helping companies create inclusive cultures that are open and welcoming for everyone. She began her career in nonprofit arts marketing and was named one of Rolling Out Magazine's most influential women in Atlanta for her initiatives focused on bringing new audiences to the theater. After 10 years in the arts, Andrea pivoted to tech and joined Tableau Software to oversee the company's product launch events and through involvement in several grassroots efforts, was subsequently hired as the organization's first senior manager of inclusion. She scaled employee engagement, built strategies to attract underrepresented talent, and developed inclusive leadership curriculum. Andrea began her career as the Senior Director of Corporate Equity Engagement at Catalyst Incorporated in June 2020 and will be launching her new DEI Career Development Consultancy in August. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah, that's what I heard too, Crystal. I was like, shh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the people in the All stands. The yes. yes, I love it. I we love are, it. <laughs> we are definitely celebrating you, um, and we're so excited to jump into the conversation and talk more about your thoughts and reactions to the Buy Association narrative. But before we do that, let's roll the narrative. Hi. So, what ultimately led you to look for and accept employment elsewhere? As you know, over the last several months, we've had a difference of opinion about the expected outcomes of my role. I am a data-driven organizational architect who expertly leverages inclusive process design to create spaces where underrepresented talent can grow and thrive. Instead of leveraging my skills, you'd prefer that I plan Heritage Month celebrations for your social feeds. You want a performance and I can no longer oblige. Beyond that, the combination and culmination of microaggressions, gaslighting, false accusations, unspoken rules, exclusionary practices, and hypocritical behaviors. Gulp. But you said ultimately, Amy, last week you compared conferences for black tech professionals to neo-Nazism. Um, okay, so this is all on the record and I could get fired for something like this. I mean, come on. My husband is black and I have black kids. I'm obviously not racist and I apologize for it and it really wasn't my intention to offend you. So I don't see why this has to be part of your exit interview. While you didn't intend to be racist, you were 
and are. I can't justify that comment, mindset, or behavior, especially when it isn't the first time. So ultimately, Amy, your racism is what brought us here today. Okay. Well, did you feel that you were equipped to do your job well, at least? My work was always treated as priority number 5,788,332,120. I never had the power to make decisions, and there was never a desire to truly integrate inclusion into the DNA of our culture, practices, and decision-making. Then, the work transformed into something for multiple roles, but the team didn't grow, just my workload. For a company so concerned with the bottom line, you run this team like a lemonade stand. It's unrealistic. Well then, any other comments, questions, concerns? Uh, yeah, it's quite performative here. Always ready with a seemingly heartfelt soundbite, but never willing to actually act. What happened behind the curtain never truly changed, but we put on quite a show in front of it. Employee resource groups, progressive public statements, pics of our black employees on the cover page. You never intended to move the needle though. While I'm gracious for the opportunity I earned here, it's taught me many lessons. One of the most important, y'all ain't worth it. I am. So what were your initial thoughts and reactions when you heard the narrative? First of all, I just, I have to give you kudos because it was such a brave narrative. I I, mm -hmm. I had chills. I I felt all the feelings. Um, and I think it's going to like resonate with so many people because when I first heard it, I was, I, I was thinking, did she read one of my exit interviews? Did she hear me <laughs> ranting to somebody about something? And not that I had that exact experience, but I think, unfortunately, it's likely that many, many people have similar experiences. And we debate, we go back and forth about, do I tell it? You know, what's the benefit to me in an exit interview and giving them all of that information, giving them that energy that, and, and, and I always have struggled with that when I've done my exit interviews, but that gave me a lot to, to chew on and to think about if I ever did another <laughs> exit interview from a company of how real do, do you want to get? Yes, and I'm so glad you mentioned that it was almost like I was listening in or I read one of your old exit interviews from the past because yeah. we both are in this space. So yeah. we're both doing work in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. And I think many people who have done this work have been at organizations that are on both sides of the spectrum. Absolutely. Like one side is very performative. It's like, what are you gonna put on social media? Uh, actually, that's probably not the the left spectrum. The spectrum is probably affirmative action. Mm -hmm. We're just doing the things mm -hmm. we need to do 
we're not doing anything extra. I think further along would be the things that are performative. Let's celebrate this Heritage Month. And then I think we've both been parts of organizations that have been like, listen, this is a problem. It's a systemic issue. Right. These are the things that we need to do and address. So many of us have been on the side where it's we're just doing the bare minimum or we're just performing. And I think this story is just repetitive for many people. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I think you just never know what you're getting into either until you really get into a company and start to peel back all the layers. And, and I think that's why this is so important for people to hear because it's just like, oh yeah, this is, this is happening not just to me. It's not, it does not just happened to me. It has happened to many, many people, unfortunately. Right. I, I don't think that you can have a career in DNI. Uh, work in it for so many years and not have this kind of experience, right? And when we look across the room, most of the people doing the work tend to be black and brown women. Mm-hmm. So when we know and we share these stories, right? When we know the work is hard and then we share the story, why do you think black and brown women continue to be drawn to this work or they're drawn to it in the first place at all? And what advice would you give to someone who's interested in getting into the DNI space? Yeah, um, great question. I think, you know, as black and brown women, we tend to be problem solvers and caretakers. It's, it's mm-hmm. just in our DNA that we mm-hmm. want to help other people. We want to, we see a problem, we're like, cool, we know how to fix it. That's just how we, we are. And because oftentimes we're not represented um, it's hard to not want to fix that problem for ourselves and for like the next person. We we just see an opportunity, and it's hard, right? We you know we see ourselves needing to be in in every space, and if I won't fight for me to be able to be in that space, who's gonna fight? You know, if if I'm not gonna fight to see somebody else who looks like me in the engineering department, who's gonna fight? So, of course, we just take it on. We carry this extra burden. And, you know, I think that's oftentimes why we start off getting involved in in the ERGs and doing all those things. And so, you know, even early, like in my career before working in tech, I was doing marketing and events for art organizations. And I realized, like, I wasn't – I was missing from the audience. I was missing from the marketing materials. I was missing from the stages. I I didn't see people who looked like me. The representation wasn't there. And and so I started calling it out early on. And my coworkers, very fortunately, were very open-minded, and they wanted to hear me out. And this was pre-having, like, diversity and inclusion roles in the world. But I was super vocal even then, and I had leadership who was like, okay, what do we need to do? How do we change the representation? How do we make sure there's equality? And that's just something that I started fighting for, you know, from a really young age. And we don't always have the words for it. Like I said, the roles of diversity and inclusion are still really new. But as people of color, we recognize when we're missing and we start fighting from it for it, like really early on. Um, so of course we're going to be drawn to careers uh, that, that come available where that fight is, is able to be there. Um, 
in terms of the advice that I, I give to people who say, like, hey, I'm interested in, in DNI, and and I get that a lot, and I think it is amazing that careers in this space are, are growing. But I always ask people to really ask themselves why they're interested in this work because it's not glamorous. It's, you know, um, like in the narrative, you talk about like it's it's really performative. You see these great photos on Instagram and LinkedIn and maybe on the career page, and and you see all the really good stuff like the cultural events and oh, they went to Pride and all of that is great and good, but that's not the whole of the job. It's a part of it, and if you're really good at it you've probably made that part look easy. So everyone just assumes, great, I can go in there, I can do this work. But the real work is happening behind closed doors. And and there was this post recently that I think it was Lily Zhang who just basically said, you can't, I can't even post about half the stuff that I'm working on. I can post the pretty stuff in the pictures, but I can't post about some of the things that we're we're fighting for back here. And, and so really helping people to understand, like, we're trying to convince, you know, ERGs, you have to have goals. There's nothing pretty about that that's Instagrammable or trying to convince people who, you know, have maybe worked one way and are creating office spaces that, hey, guess what? Maybe an open office concept may not be great for a specific population within the company because for whatever reason or whatever that is. And trying to tell them, like, if you're not being accommodating to everyone, of course you're going to have retention problems. And and that's going to wear you down. And I think if people don't really realize that you're fighting for everybody, you're not just able to fight for black and brown women, right? You have to fight for everybody, all the marginalized groups when you're in that role. And uh, it's a lot. It, it's really, really a lot. And so um, if you don't have all the proper staffing, if you don't have the right funding, you're just, you're destined for failure. And that's the gut punch. And that's the part that I think people don't realize because the good stuff gets posted and the hard stuff never gets talked about. Mm-hmm. So first of all, <laughs> I want to quote Dominique Collins from a previous episode when she said, ain't nothing shiny about this work. Nothing mm-hmm. about it. Nothing shiny. No. <laughs> nothing shiny at all. And if you are not willing to be in the trenches and really take a hard look at systemic inequity, if you aren't ready to have difficult conversation with difficult conversations with executives, including the CEO, yeah. you might want to rethink (laughs) where you want to go from here yeah and thank you for bringing up the fact that careers in this space have been growing exponentially yeah especially over the last 45 to 60 days (laughs) and although i want to be optimistic i'm cautiously optimistic that organizations are actually thinking through this work in different ways than they have in the past, especially because there are so many of us that are super vocal (laughs) about what this work isn't and what it actually is. I hope that organizations are taking steps 
to move past being performative or just doing the bare minimum of things that need to be done? I, I worry about the increase in chief diversity officer roles that's happening right now because I'm really wondering, like, but do they have the support? You know, like, I think it's awesome if those chief diversity officers are reporting to the CEO, but kind of going back to what I was saying, like, if they don't have the proper support, then just posting a job and hiring somebody, that's tokenism. And that's equally problematic because, again, that person can't succeed. You can just put them in there and not give them the tools that they need to make actual change. And you just basically said, yay, we have a chief diversity officer. That doesn't, that doesn't really do it. It's, it's, it really requires so many layers to, to be able to make an impact in, in a company. So what do they need to do, friend, in order to get beyond tokenism, yeah. in order to get beyond being performative? Yeah. What steps do they need to take? Yeah, I, I mean, so where I was kind of going with that is, is like, I always say, I don't think that like cultural events and pride marches in themselves are bad, right? I think those things have a place in the grand scheme of, of doing diversity and inclusion work. But if that is it, if that is your whole plan, then that's performative. So if a company also thinks that, hey, guess what? Okay, you know what? We're also going to do a training. We're going to do an unconscious bias training. Check. And that's the extent of the work. It's still performative. I think that this is the type of work that requires a yes and mindset. So, uh, like I said, I started off my career in theater, and so yes and is a kind of a fairly popular improv game, and it's been integrated into design thinking. And so, I I like to think of uh, achieving you know goals. In a, in a yes and mindset. So imagine you're in a planning meeting or, you know, having a conversation with your CEO or your DNI team or your ERGs, and they say something like, okay, you know, do we want to celebrate Black History Month? Yes. And if we are asking our Black employees to help create this event, then we have to make sure that they're being recognized and compensated for this extra work. And then you kind of say, okay, that's, that's good. So yes, and the recognition should help us identify some of our top talent that we should be developing into leadership roles and into a path into the C-suite. And it's yes, and we should make sure we're providing them with mentors and development opportunities to set them up for success. So it just kind of keeps going, right? You've got to be able to put out all of these things. So yes, you can do a Black History Month event, but if that's where the book stops, you're just leaving it to be performative. You've got to dig deeper and say, how are we ensuring our talent is being developed? How are we ensuring that they're going to stay here? How are we getting them into those C-suite roles? Because once they're in those C-suite roles, they really have the ability, you know, to, to make the change. And so this can kind of go on and on, but I encourage people to use that yes and mindset when coming up with ideas because it pushes you beyond, well, this is the way we typically do things or, you know, that bare minimum <laughs> that we talked about earlier, like the bare minimum is mm -hmm. not going to cut it. So when you actively engage in yes and, 
you can get a little bit further. Yeah, I got to say, sometimes I'm just like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a work on my yes and. <laughs> There's a, you know, I, the way this works really well is to put all the yes and out there, get all the ideas. Then you start to trim back, okay? And you have to prioritize. Not everything can happen all at once. So you put all your yes ands out there. And then so how do these fit into a real strategy that we can execute on you know, successfully, because you can't say we're going to do every single thing all at once. It really does require being methodical and thoughtful and strategic about how you do it. And it requires uh, a shift in your mindset. And you have to be able to get the people at the top on board with it, which means sometimes there's ideas that you go, okay, well, maybe that's not a priority or that's not that that one doesn't really fit into the strategy. But if you come into thinking with a no attitude, then then you don't really push the envelope any further than where it needs to be. Yeah. And I think, you know, quite often people don't have a problem doing this kind of blue sky thinking when it comes to like products and services, right? Exactly. This kind of thinking is actually rewarded in those circumstances. Um, I think there's two phases to anything that exists in sustainability, right? The first is being creative and innovative and pioneering. And then to your point, it goes into this thing that becomes thoughtful and strategic and intentional. Mm -hmm. But that first phase, a lot of the time, isn't even allowed to happen when we start to talk about what it looks like to truly honor our underrepresented talent that exists within the company and the candidates that exist without the company, outside of the company, sorry. Absolutely. Honor us. Honor us. Honor us like you yeah. honor your products. I was say, you have to put the same kind of energy, planning, strategy, metrics, deadlines mm. that you mm-hmm. would into creating a product. And you have to be willing to be transparent. It's not that you create a product, you know, you have an idea for a product and then it's suddenly up and launched the next day. It's a process, but along the way you have checkpoints and you have to be able to be willing to be transparent with those those checkpoints. And because we live in kind of just like instant gratis, gratification society, if people feel like they're not being brought along on the journey and hearing about what is happening, then they're going to just come to the conclusion also that the work that you're doing is really performative or that nothing is happening behind the scenes. So you have to figure out like what can be socialized more broadly? How do you bring people into the fold? How do you make sure you're engaging the right people in those conversations as you're building? Because like you wouldn't go and um, build a product and not have a QA. You wouldn't go and build a product and not maybe have like focus groups. You're not going to just do these things in a bubble. So DNI can't live in a in a bubble either. It requires that same strategic type of of mindset. Yes, and I think that's amazing. And I know that people are going to want to continue to connect with you and learn from you. Where can listeners find you online, Andrea? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm on all the things. Um, I am most <laughs> active on, on LinkedIn. So I'm Andrea G. Tatum um, on LinkedIn. And my Instagram is Andrea underscore G underscore Tatum. And then my website is com. Well, I just want to say before we let you go, 
friends, yes, whoever friend. is listening, <laughs> stop reaching out to my friend, asking to pick her brain. Just stop. <laughs> we talked about this last episode. She is a wealth of knowledge, but you got to pay her. Yeah, yeah. Does yeah, that go for you too, course. Crystal? Yes. It's uh huh. Huh? I feel I feel called out. Uh-huh. I feel called out. <laughs> Y'all gotta pay me too. You gotta, Y'all gotta pay, pay me. Too. I say that all the women. time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the We Are Meaningful podcast. Follow us on Instagram at wearemeaningful.co and visit our website to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. We're excited to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Talk to you next week. <laughs>